If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 94 of Confessions of a Marketer, Brand Strategy. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Mitch Duckler is back to continue our discussion about differentiating your brand. We will have that chat in just a moment. Next time, we have Christina Mallon of the Wonderman Thompson Inclusivity Design Practice. Christina and I talk about the founding of the practice and the work they did for Tommy Adaptive. Soon, we'll have Steve Rendazzo on experiences, David Lemley on retail voodoo, and David C. Baker on building an agency. Lots of other great discussions in the planning stages should be a great end to 2019. We have a great lineup of podcasts on Podco Media Networks. There's this one, the Innovation Podcast, Demystifying Data, My First Job, and a lot more on the way. Head over to podcomedia.com to listen and subscribe. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, back to Mitch Duckler. Mitch has a book out called The Indispensable Brand. In part one of our discussion, we touched on the premise of his book and the value of brand equity. This time, we cover the five key components of brand strategy, brand positioning, brand portfolio strategy, brand experiences, brand extension, and brand story. Let's get to it. I want to talk a little bit about the five key components of brand strategy that you outline in your book. Can you tell my listeners about brand positioning, brand portfolio strategy, brand experiences, brand extension, and brand story? Sure. Those are all, um, they are for the most part, all strategies. Um, although one can argue that they're also, they, they start to get into the delivery or the development or activation of brands, but they really are the cornerstones, I believe, of building indispensable brands. So let's start with positioning. Yeah. It, it all starts with your positioning. And, and I often say, and I think most marketers would agree, no matter how world-class your expression or your activation or execution is, you're not going to become indispensable if your positioning, right? The strategy underneath it isn't solid, yeah. right? And if you aren't differentiated to begin with, 
no matter how well you execute, you're going to be indistinguishable. So that positioning, you know, we just talked about different ways to identify your point of difference, but nailing that positioning in a unique, meaningful point of difference for your positioning is, is really where it all begins. And, and if you don't get that right, everything else that we talk about um, after it is, is, I don't want to say meaningless, but it, it's certainly compromised. Right. So that's, that's the first, right? The positioning is how do you want to be perceived in the minds of not just your customers and consumers, but really any, any relevant stakeholder that impacts your brand, right? It could be employees or potential employees. It could be vendors. It could be investors, the media. How do you want them to view you? When your name comes to mind, what are the immediate associations that you want them to have? So that's positioning, fairly straightforward. The second one is portfolio strategy and brand architecture, which is really how do you manage? And, and this is you know, typically more in the consumer realm, right? But you know, the house of brands, right? A Procter & Gamble. How do you manage a portfolio of brands and, and build a very strong offering of brands that are very strong independently, but th- their collection is also very strong and, and very thoughtful and very purposeful? So that's you know, developing a portfolio strategy or an architecture that sets your company up for success through the success of individual brands. The third is experience. And that's really, you know, think about every single touch point, pre-purchase, during purchase, post-purchase, every single touch point in the customer journey. How is it experienced and is it experienced in a manner that is consistent with your positioning? Again, not some sort of hypothetical ideal, right? But are you actually crafting every single interaction, every single touch point with a customer or other stakeholder in a way that is consistent with your positioning? The fourth is extension. And uh, there's a chapter in the book that, that talks a great deal about brand extension. And that is how do you use your brand positioning, not just as guardrails to prevent you from extending in ways that are not healthy for your brand, but also how can your brand positioning be a source of inspiration for extension? So as you think about the intrinsic attributes of your brand, how does that give you permission to extend beyond just the tangible? Right. So how can a company in the auto industry think about their brand in, in a very intangible way and allow it to extend into new categories that are seemingly unrelated to the auto industry? Right. Right. And, and uh, I think some of the luxury brands have done a really good job of that. You, know, you take a look at like an Armani, for example, Bulgari. The, these are brands. You know, how, how can one brand be relevant in perfume clothing and and even hotels and restaurants, right? Those categories could not be more disparate or more diverse from one another. Yet there's something about those brands that allow them to credibly extend into those areas. And it's the intrinsic attributes of those brands, I would argue. And there are some companies that have tried to extend their brands and it's been a disaster. Absolutely. So again, you have to, it's, it's, and that's why I'm saying you can't, you have, you still have to be very disciplined about it and your brand positioning can and should be guardrails to prevent detrimental extension. But it can also, as I said, be a source of inspiration and and if and if you truly do own these equities that you're extending on and you execute in a thoughtful manner, you should be able to achieve more transformational growth than incremental growth. I think if you're too guarded, too careful, too defensive about your brand strategy and how you extend, 
that's safe, but it's also inherently limiting and incremental in nature. Yeah. Right. It's it's the it's the so-called flavor extension. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Strategy. Right? Oh, let's we, strawberry was a success. So now let's do peach. Yeah, right? Right. Well, okay, yeah. but that's realize that's going to be incremental. Or apples and oranges, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the final the final component is is story. So I think. And rightfully so, brand story, especially as why or, or purpose-based brands have gained favor in recent years, I think brand story has become a very increasingly important component of brand strategy uh, and, and an opportunity to explain your point of difference in a way that's very you know, creative and very distinctive to the brand itself. And I think brands are very well served if they can kind of define a, a story that that really represents their positioning and can help consumers or customers relate to their purpose, really, and, and, and what they are and what makes them different and special. One element of all of this that I think is of paramount importance and probably could be a book by itself is employee brand engagement. Employees mm-hmm. are the link between the customer and the brand and often get overlooked or they get brought into the creation of the brand at the last moment when all the strategy has been set and it's time to roll it out. How critical are they to keeping a brand indispensable? Great question, Mark. I I think the answer to that is they are more important now than perhaps ever before. And I think there are a few reasons for that. The first is, as, as we mentioned, if you think about brand as delivering the experience, that's every touch point and employees are a critical touch point. I think especially in the, the digital era um, and especially in particular with social media, employees have a link to customers in particular and stakeholders more generally that they never did in the past, right? And when a person goes on, an employee goes on to social media, even well-meaning, and they talk about their brand, they are representing that brand. And I'm not just talking about are, you know, are they saying something negative, but even if they're saying something off-brand or representing the brand in a way that is inconsistent with its positioning, that's that's a very that's a negative touch point. And if it continues, you know, consistently over time, it, it really begins to erode your brand equity, right? That wasn't an issue, you know. 30, 40, 50 years ago when brands were almost first and foremost defined by advertising, right? And in in that day and age, you could argue, hey, as long as our brand and our marketing department understand brand, that's all that really matters. That's no longer the case. It's really important that employees and employees beyond just the brand and marketing function understand their role in delivering brand, certainly if they're frontline and customer facing, but even if they're not. Because again, in this day and age of transparency, employees are impacting brands more than they probably realize for better or for worse. And it also seems to make sense that the employer needs to realize that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's really, it's, it's not only all functions, as I was mentioning earlier, but it's all levels. Yeah. And you know, we often talk to our clients about in particular, when we talk about employee brand engagement, is what is senior leadership's mentality toward brand? Are they are they believers in brand? Do they recognize the importance of it? Do they appreciate the importance that all of their employees play in delivering it? Right, and 
if the answer is no, you know, it's, it's, it's very concerning, right? Because I, th I think you can only be so successful with a leadership team that doesn't embrace that mindset. Yeah. So it does, it starts at the top and it, and it flows down and it flows across, right? Not just marketing, but really all functions within an organization. So where are things heading with brand and how can we all keep our brands indispensable? Well, I think it's it, it begins with realizing that we as marketers can and need to do more to shape the direction of our brands. Um, again, I think it was a lot easier in the golden age of brand management, right? In the 1950s and 60s, when there were three television networks and, you know, marketers, the, the P&Gs of the world could just you know, shoot their 30 second commercial and play it on one of three television networks and their brand was positioned, right? That's no longer the case. Obviously, we have, you know, far, far, far more options in terms of distribution, dissemination of information, communication and media channels. And all of a sudden, consumers have become increasingly influential and increasingly powerful in this equation, which is not a bad thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But that's not a license to turn over control of your brands to consumers, right? We, uh, yes, we need to be responsive to and, and listen to consumers and take our cues from them, but we still need to lead and we still need to influence and control to the extent that we can the shape and direction of our brands and not merely say, well, you know what? Social media has given the control of brands to consumers and they're going to kind of do what they do. They're going to do their own research and they're going to have their own conversations. And the best we can do is, is cross our fingers and hope for the best. And that, that's really not the case, right? We still have the ability, even in this more complex and challenging environment to shape the dialogue, right? And, and we need to do that. And again, it, it does all start with identifying that unique point of difference and, and crafting a positioning that reflects that. And there's probably nothing more important to a C-level executive, to a company, than the brand and the way it's perceived, the way consumers see it, and the way employees carry it out. Yeah, absolutely. It's a system of, of moving in, in integrated parts, right? And, and that's, I think, what makes brand management challenging. It's also what makes, makes it exciting, yeah. right? You can't just focus on one aspect of it. There are, there are multiple moving parts and they need to be carefully coordinated. But again, and it's really a central theme through the entire book, The Indispensable Brand, is, is it, it all starts with your positioning. And, and as long as you stay true to that, as long as you identify that salient point of difference and reflect it in your positioning, make sure your positioning is interjected into every aspect of your activation and execution, you know, your chances of success are, are certainly a lot greater. Well, that's very wise counsel, Mitch. Thanks for joining me here on Confessions of a Marketer. I'm sure my listeners will really enjoy this chat. Thanks again. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure being on. All right. Next time, Christina Mallon of the Wonderman Thompson Inclusivity Design Practice. So stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. 
Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.